worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities is upset with a tax change made by the Saskatchewan government. And they're also having some concerns about Ottawa's new consultation process on the future of farming. We'll hear from their president, Ray Orb. The top weather story in 2022 was the arrival of Tropical Storm Fiona in the Maritimes in September. Chief Climatologist with Environment Canada, David Phillips, goes over the top three stories of the year. And, of course, one of them is the heavy spring rains which drenched Manitoba and parts of eastern Saskatchewan during seeding. The Canola Council of Canada held a webinar last Friday to outline the benefits of the 4R Nutrient Stewardship Program. One of the guest speakers was Samara Hutton, the Director of Corporate Programs with the Canola Council of Canada, and she provides more details on how to apply for funding under the Canola 4R Advantage. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Phil, once again, we woke up to some very light snow flurries this morning, but it seems to have stopped for now, but our temperature is still very cold. Yeah, that's also kind of stopped. It hasn't done a whole lot of warming of late. But yeah, that snow that's around, I still think we could see a little bit. There are a couple of flurries in the air, and sometimes when you get these flurries that are this light and you've had the flurries of late that are this light, you have a hard time distinguishing whether you're seeing flurries falling or flurries that have been picked up and moved from the ground, which makes them look like new flurries. So somewhere in between that is where we are for today. Uh, Nothing new accumulating from this stuff. This is just in the air. Um, Even if it falls down, it's not going to amount to much. It's just too fine. Temperature minus 21 for the afternoon, but that wind has not uh, let up yet. It will the, the uh, anticipation is for the wind to drop off through the afternoon, but uh, as we head through these early afternoon hours, the high pressure is still sitting over eastern Montana. This deepening low is, re- is actually responsible for the whole wind field. It's sitting, uh, let's see, right now it's just coming out of Indiana into Ohio. So in between that is this tight northerly wind flow. It's not as tight here as, say, western Ontario but it's tight enough to keep the wind in the 25 to 40 range. That storm doesn't move much, but the high does. And all that does is it takes that strong wind field, tightens it up even more, which strengthens the winds, but moves it to our east. 
So it gets out of our picture. It'll still be fairly breezy uh, later on tonight uh, across western uh, Manitoba. That, too, will diminish later nighttime, early tomorrow. But it will take longer to get that diminishing wind. Uh, most of Saskatchewan dealing with a nearly calm wind by mid-morning tomorrow. And uh, then by later tomorrow afternoon, it works its way eastward. That will help the wind chill for sure, but for now it's uh, minus 30s and it's going to stay minus 30s, even touch minus 40 at times, depending on the timing of the temperature drop and the wind easing up tonight. Could be a little overlap there where it doesn't settle down quite soon enough to get the wind chill to hold at minus 30s. Either way, minus 39, minus 41, you're talking uh, an extra minute or so for, for frostbite risk. So uh, just bundle up. I think that's the, the, the obvious advice for the day, regardless of whether the wind chill is at or, or just above or just below minus 40. Uh, the clearing sky, though, will be more revealed as the wind comes down. We'll lose the uh, the blowing snow, and any threat for these uh, nuisance flurries will end as the high builds overhead. It's a pretty strong high, and it does make for a bright sunny day tomorrow. A cold one, for sure. Minus 24, but a bright day nonetheless. Sunshine, the light wind on Saturday, minus 21. Trending up a little light snow comes in ahead of a push of less cold air for Sunday. We're at minus 17, and we'll call it partly sunny at times on Monday. The temperature up to minus 8. A nice little ridge trying to build up, actually. Could hold us there in those slightly above normal, or at least near normal temperatures through midweek before it gets pushed aside. Uh, but the Arctic air gets pushed aside and does not follow. It just is a more seasonable air mass uh, for later week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw, Swan River, and Dauphin all reporting in at minus 21 degrees. Brandon, minus 22. Show Lake Russell, minus 24. Roblin, minus 23. Regina, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington all in at minus 23 degrees. Saskatoon, minus 27. Hudson Bay, minus 21. Broadview Mooseman, minus 22. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a north-northwest wind at 33, gusting to 45 kilometers an hour. 71% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 22 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 35 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 25 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 32 degrees. There was 0.2 millimeters of water equivalent precipitation that fell in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 12. The normal low is minus 22. The sun rose in Yorkton at 8.52 this morning and it will set at 4.45 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Kelsey Dam at minus 19 degrees. The cold spot Cleefeld at minus 35 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was LaRange at minus 20 degrees. The cold spot was Uranium City at minus 37 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities is upset with a tax change made by the Saskatchewan government. 
Rural municipalities in the province uh, previously had the ability to tax commercial property at nine times the rate that they've been allowed to tax farm property. The province has lowered the ratio to seven times the rate. SARM President Ray Orb says the change has been too drastic and will shift the tax burden to agricultural properties. Orb also has some concerns about Ottawa's new consultation process on the future of farming. The federal government says the online consultation period on sustainable agriculture will be open to input until the end of March with the hope of developing a strategy by the end of next year. Orb says SARM will look at the issue in the new year. Yes, we did notice uh, the federal minister uh, has uh, has opened up a consultation on this, and uh, I think we haven't had a real good chance to look at it yet, but we'll be looking at it early in the new year. But, you know, I guess a little bit of a concern. We're wondering why, you know, the federal government is looking at perhaps putting more regulations on, on farmers and, and ranchers, you know, across the country, including you know, the ones that are in Saskatchewan, and we're not sure this is a route that the federal government needs to go. It's kind of a catchphrase, you know, to be sustainable, but you know what? I think we have we have farmers and ranchers that are really responsible right now that are doing a lot uh, as far as uh, benefit to the environment and things like that. You know, we're sequestering carbon, carbon both on the crop side and, and on the pasture side. So I'm not sure why the federal government is doing. We know that they always seem to have a strong uh, mandate thinking you know about the environment which is okay but putting more regulations in i don't think i don't think it will fly however we see other organizations across the country some in our own province that seem to think it's a good idea and so we'll be weighing in for sure on the issue orb says sarm will be participating in the consultation process Definitely, we will be uh, we'll be meeting uh, in the new year. We have an agriculture and economy committee that we'll be looking at, and also our SARM board will be looking at it probably around the third week of January. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture co-chairs the Federal Agriculture Sustainability Study, which wraps up at the end of March. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. Beef and Forage Report. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were showing upward movement during the past week. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats compiled this week's market report. Average Saskatchewan feeder prices were all up over the week except for the heaviest weight category in the heifers. Average prices for steers ranged from 323.88 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 pound weight category to 229.25 for the 8 to 900 pound category. Prices were up between 595 per hundredweight for the 8 to 900 pound category to as much as 1250 over the previous week for the seven to eight hundred pound category. Saskatchewan feeder heifer prices ranged from two forty nine ten for the three to four hundred pound weight category to one ninety nine for the eight hundred plus pound category. The largest price increases were in the lower weight heifers where the three to four hundred pound weight category increased eleven twenty two per hundred weight. The single price decline was in the eight to nine hundred pound weight category at 
250 per hundredweight down from the previous week. She outlines the factors behind these changes. Yeah, along with the more limited supply, there seemed to still be a good demand for the last push of the feeder cattle coming to market before the holiday season, and this supported the stronger price. And we're also seeing there was strength in uh, deferred live cattle futures and the drop in the Canadian dollar, which also influenced these prices. When it comes to marketings... Cantrax reported Saskatchewan feeder cattle volumes at 13,134 heads sold over the week, which was down from the 18,567 the previous week. And as for market-ready cattle prices... The Canfax price for Alberta-fed steers reported on December 16th was 182.98 per hundredweight, and this was down 255 per hundredweight compared to the previous week's price, which was 185.53. Alberta cows were all up over the week as well, and the price for D2 slaughter cows increased 272 per hundredweight from the previous week to average 84.80, and the price of D3 cows was up 227 per hundredweight to average 70.60 per hundredweight. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats compiled this week's market report, and that's today's beef and forage report. It's time now for the ag review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of new era ag technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. In a determination issue today, the Canadian Transportation Agency ruled that revenues of both CN Rail and CP Rail were above their respective maximum grain revenue entitlements for the crop year 2021-2022. CN's grain revenue of over $592 million was over $3 million above its entitlement of just over $589 million. Meanwhile, CP's grain revenue of $515.5 million was about $2.3 million above its entitlement of $513 million. CN and CP now have 30 days to pay the amount by which they exceeded their 2021-22 revenue entitlements, in addition to a 5% penalty of $153,404 for CN and $118,189 for CP. Regulations require these payments go to the Western Grains Research Foundation. This foundation is a farmer-financed and directed organization to fund research that benefits prairie farmers. After a losing string of four straight sessions, the Ice Futures March Canola contract regained some strength yesterday. Limited and choppy trading in nearby soybean contracts had pulled down canola for most of the week, according to Winnipeg-based independent trader Jerry Clausen. He says when the March got up to 868 to $870 per metric ton, there were still some farmers selling at the higher levels. Clausen says everyone who wanted to sell at that level has likely done so at this time, and secondly, farmers are not going to make any sales until mid-January. On Tuesday and yesterday, however, canola prices made a comeback, with the March contract rising by $11.50 per metric ton in that span. He says we're seeing some strength in the soy oil futures. It's largely setting the direction for the canola. 
He says canola is garnering some of that strength with spillover support into the domestic crush margins. The Atlantic Grains Council, Christian Farmers Federation of Ontario, Grain Farmers of Ontario, Grain Growers of Quebec, and Ontario Bean Growers are calling on the federal government to send the estimated $34.1 million paid in fertilizer tariffs up to June 30, 2022, directly to those farmers who paid it. The groups say they welcome the news that the federal government has set aside the equivalent to tariffs paid by farmers, but does not agree with the government's proposed plan to spend the money on an as-yet-named project. The government has said it's looking at options other than payments to farmers due to complications with tracing which fertilizer purchases were directly affected by the 35% import tariff. Canada is the only G7 nation that has imposed a tariff ultimately paid by farmers on Russian-sourced fertilizer. Canada's federal farm lender is importing its next chief executive from Export Development Canada. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau has announced the appointment of Justine Hendricks, EDC's Senior Vice President and Chief Corporate Sustainability Officer since 2019, as FCC's new CEO, effective January 30, 2023. As CEO, Hendricks replaces Michael Hoffert, an FCC staffer since 1988, who was named to the chief executive post by then-Ag Minister Jerry Ritz in 2014 and recently announced his retirement. Hendricks came to EDC, Canada's federal export credit agency, as a regional vice president in 2006 after a stint as branch manager with RBC. In her current post, she maintained EDC's focus on environment, social and governance principles, in part by spearheading the agency's Net Zero 2050 strategy, under which, by that year, greenhouse gas emissions generated by recipients of EDC financial products would be balanced by emissions removed by recipients. And that's the Ag Review portion for today. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back in 30 seconds' time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and minus 22 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The top weather story in 2022 was the arrival of Tropical Storm Fiona in the Maritimes in September. The chief climatologist with Environment Canada, David Phillips, says the second top story was a massive windstorm in Quebec and Ontario that cost over $1 billion in loss. The third biggest weather story was heavy spring rains, which drenched Manitoba and parts of eastern Saskatchewan during seeding. Every year we have, you know, a surplus of stories, weather stories, you know, some good or some bad that could make the list. The number one story this year was furious Fiona strikes eastern 
Canada. I mean, we saw the most powerful storm in history in Canada in terms of the central pressure. And Fiona was a Category 4 hurricane in the Atlantic. When it reached Nova Scotia and into the Gulf of St. Lawrence and Newfoundland, it was a post-tropical depression, but still had winds over 165 kilometers per hour. Took down just massive amounts of trees and 600,000 people without power. And some, you know, weeks later were without power. So it was really uh, a lot of rain associated with it, but the strong winds, the storm surge, and really took out a lot of permanent kind of tourist attractions. I mean, you know, rocks and beaches that, you don't repair those. I mean, they're gone for decades. So that was the number one. Number two was also a windstorm, but in, in Ontario and Quebec, it was a direco, a straight line winds, a family of these that just tracked across the, the Ontario, Quebec, cost a, a billion dollars in terms of property losses. But nobody could put a price on the loss of a tree. That tree in your front yard that provided comfort and, and shade and, and beauty and hammock, uh, hammock positions, uh, uh, no, those are gone. And, um, and, 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 you know, they won't be, it'll be a century before those are replaced. But a big hit, a lot of power outages, over a million people lost power. And in parts of Ottawa, for example, they had more power outages. The cost was greater than the ice storm of, of 20 years ago and the family of tornadoes that occurred in 2019. Number three story was in Manitoba. Manitoba's big wet, the drenching spring that it had. And it was really just too much snow, too much spring rain, just parade after Colorado lows just coming in. And it ended up, Winnipeg had their wettest year on record. And, um, and, and it was really a contrast to Manitoba farmers for two years for the two years prior to that, we're talking about the drought, a record drought, epic drought, and then now to have the wettest year in, in Winnipeg's history and in many places in Manitoba. Now, some of the other storms um, or other events, um, uh, number... Um, uh, the, the, the number nine story was the record-breaking cold across the, the prairies at the end of December of last year and the beginning of, um, of January. Uh, we saw uh, wind chill values that were in the minus 50s. In Regina, we had record-breaking temperatures. And, hey, apparently you couldn't even skate on the Regina's biggest outdoor skating rink. I mean, it was too, too, too lethal to get out there and, and face the cold. A lot of killed car batteries and, and power outages and... And also, people spend a lot of money on on heating their homes just to um, to to stay uh, safe, uh, comfortable. I think the other other kind of stories on the, on, the, on the west was was of course about the superstorms on the prairies in July, the number of tornadoes in Saskatchewan. I think we caught it 24 in total this year, more than any other province in the prairies. And and they weren't big guys, but they were enough. And in some days, uh, you had six or seven a family of them that, that came out. Uh, the forest fire season was big um, on the uh, in, in British Columbia to some degree, but also in Newfoundland. In, in, in Saskatchewan, it didn't seem so bad. The area burnt was, they put 270,000 hectares, where that's about half of what they uh, normally would, um, would see. So a lot of clipper storms came through and just brought some precipitation, which is good at times. I mean, people cursing about the weather, it's not always 
everybody is sometimes farmers are blessing it when it provides that kind of needed moisture for what had been prior to that some dry years and then of course we saw some cold weather at the end of the year beginning part of november we saw 50 temperature records in alberta and saskatchewan 50 to 60 temperature records minimum temperature records were broken because of how cold and and uh, and, and wintry like david phillips is the senior climatologist with Environment Canada. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 157.35 right now. That's down 35. April live cattle trading at 161.20, up 2. January feeder cattle closed or trading that is at 184.10 that's up 27 March feeder cattle trading at 186.45 up 72 February lean hogs trading at 89 even that's up 60 April lean hogs trading at 95.82 up 55 and that's the livestock market conditions now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of December the 21st. The pre-sorts are all done for this year, but yesterday we had our last bred cow bred heifer sale of the year with 320 total head. We had some slaughter cows here for sale. D1, D2 cows, 82 to 88. D3 cows, 68 to 78. Cows are averaging 85 cents. Good bred cows sold from 1750 to 1975. Older type cows, 1250 to 1400. Top pen of bread cows, $2,000 for a pen of black cows. The bread cows were averaging 16 and a quarter. Top pen of bread heifers, $2,075, averaging 18.50. Highlight of the morning for me, my favorite cow, a fancy red roan cow sold for 19.50. First pre-sort of the new year is Wednesday, January 11th, 2000 head consigned. That is one of my favorite sales. Our next bread cow and bread heifer sale is in the new year, January, Friday, January the 27th. At this time, I would like to thank the staff at Heartland Yorkton. Thank you. A job well done. Greatly appreciated. A Merry Christmas to you all. And a big thank you to all our current customers, new customers, and to all the order buyers. A huge thank you. From our house to your house, wishing you and all your families a joyous Christmas. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. The Canola Council of Canada held a webinar on Friday to outline the benefits of the 4R Nutrient Stewardship Program. One of the guest speakers was Samara Hutton, the Director of Corporate Programs with the Canola Council of Canada. She provides more details on how to apply for funding under the Canola 4R Advantage. So I'll begin with some basics on applicant eligibility. Canola 4R Advantage is open to canola growers located in Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba. And this includes sole proprietorships, corporations, cooperatives, and registered partnerships. Uh, along with that for our nutrient stewardship plan requirement that's already been mentioned, applicants must have current operational control over the fields in the application, plan to seed those fields to canola to complete their BMPs, 
be authorized to legally bind the farm business to the terms and conditions of the program and be implementing new BMPs that have not been part of a 4R plan for the fields in the past. It's also important to note that all canola 4R advantage payments are deemed taxable income for the farm business and only one grower can apply on behalf of the farm business in any given program year. So there are a few additional BMP requirements to be aware of, and those include requirements that the BMP must be new for the selected fields. So the grower can't have used the same BMP on the selected field as part of a 4R nutrient stewardship plan in the past. And the overall intent of this is to encourage growers to initiate or advance their 4R practices. Uh, in addition, funding can't be sought from another off-calf program for the same BMP and field combination. Uh, so a grower can submit an application to more than one off-calf program delivered by other recipient organizations, as long as it's not for the same BMP on the same fields. Further, a farm business can receive a maximum combined amount of $75,000 in off-calf funding across all programs delivered by the various off-calf recipient organizations. And this limit applies to activities completed between February 7th, 2022 and March 31st of 2024. So across both program years. And if the grower will be receiving any other funding for the BMPs, they do need to disclose the sources and amounts of that funding. And all funding from government sources can't exceed 85% of total eligible project costs. So for the current application intake, eligible BMPs may relate to either the 2022 or the 2023 planting season. BMPs are eligible if expenses are fully paid by the grower uh, between February 7th, 2022 and March 31st, 2023. And BMP activities are completed and canola planted to those fields no later than June 30th in the upcoming uh, planting season. The next program year will then run from April 1st of 2023 through to March 31st of 2024 in terms of dates for incurring eligible expenses. So what is needed in order to claim costs under Canola for our Advantage once you're approved? A claim form will need to be completed with the necessary details and attestations about your BMP activities and the costs being claimed. Initially, the claim form will be an easy to use fillable PDF and once completed can be submitted to the Canola Council via email, along with copies of invoices, receipts, and proof of payment. In the longer term, we may automate the process a bit more to help streamline completion and administration, but for now we think this simple process will do the job and be easy for growers and agronomists to use. It is important to note that receipts, invoices, and proof of payment do need to be issued in the name of the applicant or farm business, and eligible costs for each MB each BMP also must be fully paid by the applicant between that February 7th and March 31st dates, pre-tax amounts at fair market value, and they need to be eligible within the program guidelines for costs. A few notable ineligible costs include costs relating to the management of nutrients other than nitrogen, the cost of regular nitrogen fertilizer, equipment costs, costs incurred or BMPs applied to a farm area prior to the program start dates, in-kind contributions, and ultimately any costs not specifically listed as eligible in the program guidelines. So the role of 4R designated agronomists working with a grower to seek funding under the program includes 
completing and verifying that for our plan that covers the BMPs and the fields that are specified in the application. Also ensuring that the recommended BMPs in that plan meet the eligibility criteria for canola for our advantage. Completing the agronomist portion of the application, which includes attestations about the 4R plan and the BMPs. And reviewing the incentive claim submitted by the grower to confirm that the claimed BMPs and costs meet the standards for 4R practices and that the grower has completed the BMPs and planted canola to the fields. So an agronomist may also initiate an application on the grower's behalf and with their consent and or assist with the grower's claim preparation once approved for funding. Select proportion of applications will be audited uh, in order to help ensure that everyone follows the rules and the program is equitable. But please note that any audits that are conducted will be completed by the Canola Council of Canada. If an audit takes place, this may include verification that your 4R plan actually is in place, the canola was planted on the fields, or other requests to support audit requirements. Uh, so just be sure to keep good records in case your claim is amongst those audited. And in terms of how we use the data collected through the various stages of the program, the Canola Council is only collecting the information that is really needed to deliver the program and to make payments. And we handle that data in compliance with data privacy requirements. There are a few ways in which we may share information. That is with the growers for our designated agronomist in order to facilitate program delivery. With AAFC, only as necessary to administer and report on the program or to evaluate the scope, direction and effectiveness of programming. And whenever possible, any personal or business identifiers are removed from any information that's provided. Information will also be shared with the Canada Revenue Agency as it pertains to taxable income. So all canola for advantage payments are deemed taxable income. And as such, the Canola Council is required to issue AGR1 Statement of Farm Support Payments Forms to each recipient of funding in a given calendar year. And we are also required to report that same form to the Canada Revenue Agency. And they'll also note that any program data that's made available publicly would only be reported on an aggregate basis. So to highlight some key dates for the current intake period, uh, applications are already open through our digital portal. And once we receive a complete application with that verified for our plan, we'll review your application. If approved, the grower and CCC will enter into a written agreement for funding. And we plan to start accepting and processing claims in January. The first growers that we contact to provide the claim forms to will be those whose BMPs are related to the 2022 crop year, uh, with 2023 BMP claim forms uh, following shortly thereafter. The deadlines to submit receipts and proof of payment, uh, as well as the deadlines to complete activities and submit final attestations, will depend on which planting season your BMPs relate to. So if your BMPs are for the 2022 crop and they're already completed, the deadline for all of your submissions would be the end of February. If you have BMPs relating to the 2023 crop, then the deadline would be April 15th to submit your claim with documentation of costs, but you have until June 30th to complete BMP activities in the field, plant canola, and submit your final attestations. That said, we do recommend that you submit all requirements as soon as possible to ensure timely review and processing. 
And once the BMPs are completed, canola is planted and final attestations are submitted by both the grower and agronomist. The Canola Council will complete its review of your claim and be able to issue payment. So when you're ready to submit an application, uh, you can go to our website and click the link to apply. It will take you to the digital platform that we have for online applications. Either the grower or the agronomist can initiate an application and provide most of the content. And then once the initiator submits that first part, an email will be sent to the other party with a copy of the details and a link to go and complete their remaining portion. Our website has a list of all the information that you need to input into an application. So you can be sure that you have all that information gathered before starting that application. Complete and eligible applications are then reviewed on a first come first serve basis. And our intention is to distribute funding across each BMP type and region of the prairies. So there are some limits to funding allocations. If any categories become oversubscribed, wait lists will be created. But at this time, applications are still being accepted across all BMPs and regions. And finally, if you have any questions on the program after this webinar, uh, you can reach program staff directly with any inquiries, either via email at foradvantage at canolacouncil.org or call us via the director toll-free lines and also available on our website. And of course, our website has complete program information, guidelines and FAQs for reference as well. That's Samara Hutton. She's the director of corporate programs at the Canola Council of Canada. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up next. Right now, January canola trading at 862.30. That's up $3.60. March canola trading at 859.90, up $2.50. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 923 and a half down four and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 867 and a half, up three and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 763 per bushel, down four and three quarters of a cent. March corn trading at 660 and three quarters, down one and a half cents. January soybeans trading at 1466 and a half, that's down 14 and a half cents. March oats trading at 354 per bushel, up seven and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Your Farm Bulletin Board is next. Farm Bulletin Board. Applications are now being accepted for the 2023 Saskatchewan Agriculture Student Scholarship Program. This year's theme is farming and the environment. Applicants of the scholarship are encouraged to explore the idea of environmental sustainability within farming and the importance of public perception on modern farming practices. Applicants should focus on progressive environmental practices conducted by producers and the importance of relaying that message to the public to enhance trust in the industry. Students are invited to submit a creative three-minute video or 1,000-word essay discussing farming and the environment. Scholarships will be awarded to students in grade 12 and or recent graduates entering agriculture-related post-secondary studies in 2023. One winning scholarship of $4,000 
and three runner-up scholarships of $2,000 will be awarded. The deadline for applications is March 1st of 2023. For more information on the Saskatchewan Agriculture Student Scholarship Program, visit saskatchewan.ca slash ag-scholarship. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Areas of drifting snow with a 40% chance of flurries. Winds north-northwest at 25 to 40, a high of minus 21, a wind chill of minus 35. For tonight clearing, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 28, a wind chill of minus 39. For tomorrow, sunny, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 24, a wind chill of minus 34. For tomorrow night, clear with a light wind and a low of minus 33. For Christmas Eve, Saturday, sunny, a light south-southeast wind and a high of minus 21. For Christmas Day, Sunday, a 60% chance of light snow and a high of minus 17. And for Boxing Day, Monday, partly sunny at times, a high of minus 8. In the Paw, Swan River and Dauphin, it's minus 21 degrees. Brandon, minus 22. Show Lake Russell, minus 24. Roblin, minus 23. Regina, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, all reporting in at minus 23. Saskatoon, minus 27. Hudson Bay, minus 21. Broadview, Mooseman, minus 22. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a north-northwest wind at 33, gusting to 45 kilometers an hour. 71% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 22 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 35 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94.